Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, if you have your notes that you walk, that you received when you walked in, I want to ask you to take that out today. And on the title where it says, People Matter to God, is that what it says? People Matter to God? I wanted you to write right above that this phrase, Rescue Mission. How many understand that as believers today, we are on a rescue mission? When Jesus came to earth, He was on a rescue mission. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Does anyone in the room, do you enjoy watching rescue mission movies on television? I love rescue mission television. Megan does not. They are intense. They are sometimes too violent. Sometimes they're just... They're just, they're too real to life. And so I have to wait till she's asleep or out of town visiting or whatever. And then I can watch some of my favorite movies. Like I'm a real sucker for uh, uh, the movie Taken. And Taken 2. And Taken 3. And they come out with Taken 4. I'll probably watch that one too. I love, I think, I don't know, maybe this is in, I think it's in all people, especially men. I think there is something that God built into us to be a rescuer because we've been made in the image of our Heavenly Father. And since since God is the ultimate rescuer, how many understand He sent us to planet Earth to be part of His rescue mission? And why is, he, why is he on a rescue mission? Because people matter to God. As a church, we are on a rescue mission. Why? Because people matter to God. In a few minutes, I want to be talking about kingdom builders, which is, uh, if you're new to our church, this is the, the, the umbrella by which we do all of our outreach as a church, whether it's reaching people with outreaches in our community locally or whether it's partnering with a missionary around the world or around the state or around our community. How we give and how we live, how we reach out to others is called kingdom builders. And there would be those who would ask, why do we engage in such activity? I'll tell you why. It's because people matter to God. You have never, have you ever been in a place where you wondered if you mattered? Maybe you've been to a restaurant and they set you, but they never served you. And you wonder, did I matter? Are you walking to a government agency and you pull that little number? And you wonder, does this number mean anything? Or did they already call this number? You know what it's like to feel forgotten, right? We've all been there. It makes you wonder, do I matter? But can I tell you, people matter to God. That's why our church motto is because people matter to God. We as a church will be a spiritual catalyst here in central Arkansas and around the world to, to bring people to Jesus. Everything we do is because people matter to God. Maybe you felt like a number before, but you're not a number to God. You matter to Him. And people matter to Him. You and I have never met a person who doesn't matter to God. In Luke 15, verse 1, I want to ask you to pay attention to this as I read it to you today. It says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. I like that phrase, notorious sinners. Not just jaywalkers. 
not just people that didn't put their shopping cart back at Walmart, um, notorious sinners, right? Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I'm praying that God would continue to send notorious sinners to the assembly in Cabot, Arkansas. I want to say that again. I'm praying that some Sunday you're going to walk in the, in the church and there will be a notorious sinner that has stolen your chair. Is that okay with you? Pastor, I don't want to give up my chair. Don't you think that notorious sinner matters to God? Aren't you glad that when you walked into a church and you were the notorious sinner that it mattered to someone else to welcome you? I know I am glad. So the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people even eating with them. Jesus ate with them because they mattered to him. Father, I pray today as we talk about what it's like to live a life on a rescue mission, believing that people matter to God, I pray that today you will help us. Help us not be like the complainers that questioned you, but help us be like the disciples that followed you and helped you and engaged with you on the mission. Help us be modern-day disciples of Jesus today that we're engaging in the rescue mission. And we'll give you thanks. The Pharisees complained, Jesus, why are you talking to these people? Why are you eating these people with these people? They are notorious sinners. Why are you taking time for them? And Jesus answered their question in Luke 19. He said it this way, For the Son of Man came to seek and save. He was saying, I am on a rescue mission to seek and save that which was lost. And then he spent the entire chapter kind of demonstrating, trying to move them into buying into what he was trying to do that day. He, he began to tell them three parables, which I know you know, but somebody's going to hit them real quick. He tells a parable about a lady who had ten coins, but she lost one. And what did she do? She stopped what she was doing, and she searched the couch cushions. She lifted up the coffee table, and she lifted up everything she had. She searched her house trying to find it, and when she finally found it, what did she do? She went and told all of her friends and neighbors to come celebrate me for this with me because this thing that was lost is now found. And then he tells about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. And he loses one. Now, when I was in school, that would have been a 99 percentile. And I would have been grinning ear to ear and showing the paper to my mom. But that's not what the shepherd that Jesus talks about does. He leaves the 99 in safety and he goes and he pursues and he searches 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 until he finds that lost sheep and then he brings them home. Why? Because that one sheep mattered to him. 
And then he tells the parable of a father who had two sons. And one of the sons told the father, hey, give me what I got coming. And so the dad gave him half of his inheritance, and he went out and he blew it on riotous living. He made a lot of fair-weather friends, but when the time came and he was broke and busted, he, his friends left him, he was by himself, and he was having to do the most meaningful, gross job imaginable. He was having to live and serve pigs. He was so hungry, he wished he could eat what they were eating. I don't know about you, but I've looked at what pigs eat, and I have never thought that looks good. But that's how busted he was. He said, man, I wish I could just eat what they ate. And then he, the Bible says this phrase, he comes to his senses and he remembers, he thought even the lowest servant in my father's house is treated better than this. So I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to tell him I'm no longer worthy to be called a son, but please receive me back as a servant. You know the end of the story. While, while the son was still a long way off, the father must have been still searching because the father saw him at a distance and went and celebrated that this lost son had came home. Why did he tell these stories, these parables? Because he wanted us to know he was on a rescue mission. And you and I, I'm going to tell you in just a minute, as believers, we must, I know that's a strong word, but I want to say it again. We must, Engage in this rescue mission. Three people agree with me, so I just thank God for all three of you. I said we must engage this rescue mission. I heard one preacher say it like this, and I believe wholeheartedly, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. There's no middle ground. If we love God, we're going to love what God loves. And what does God love? God loves people. So we have to realize, I've just got a few things I want to share with you this morning. Here's my first point. We have to realize that people matter to God. Would you say that with me this morning? People matter to God. We have it on this banner behind me. It's been up here for about a year or more. It's different colors at different times, but it's all trying to drive home this conviction of the Father that people matter to God. John 3.16 says it like this, for God so loved the world that people mattered so much to Him that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him would not perish but would have eternal life. Why? Because people matter to God. Which people matter to God? It says the whole world. When I was a kid, we sang it like this. Red, yellow, black, and white. They're precious in His sight. Which people matter to God? The people that look just like you and the people that look nothing like you. The people I agree with and the people that make me angry. They all matter to God. When Jesus was in the worst pain of His life on the cross, He looked to His he looked to his side and there was a criminal who was, who was asking for forgiveness and even in the dying moments of Jesus' life, he took time because that person mattered to God. How much do people matter to God? 
How much? For God so loved the world that He gave, He, what? He, he gave. They, he, it mattered so much to, me, to Him that he, he gave of Himself. He gave His only Son. The cross of Jesus tells us how much they matter to Him. The coin that the lady lost was like losing 10% of her income. It mattered. The shepherd looked for that one sheep because it mattered. The father kept looking at the horizon for that lost son because it mattered. And people matter to God all the time. We never stop mattering to God. Even when we do, and I hate to say this word from the pulpit, even when we do stupid things, We still matter to God. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me because sometimes I do stupid really well. How many understand that sin makes you stupid? Sin will cause you to do things that are unreasonable. This prodigal son in the, in the parable, he had it made. And yet he's complaining. He, 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 he takes it all, then he blows it all. How many of you say, that's not intelligent? But that's what sin does. It causes you to value the wrong things. But the good news is that Romans 5, 8 reminds us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrates our worth to him by giving his life for us. The father still watched daily for his son to come home. His sin separated him from the Father, but not from the Father's heart. God loves us. God loves us even during the wandering times of our life. Sometimes it's not that we're doing stupid things, we're just kind of wandering. You ever just kind of wandered through life? Not trying to really be good or bad, you're just kind of wandering. Sheep are prone to wander. The Bible says that like sheep, all of us, have gone astray. When I was uh, in college, one of the jobs I had was planting trees. Now, if you've never planted trees before, it's about as exciting as it sounds. You show up with a bag about this big around, and I think each bag had 2,000 pine trees in it. And they give you a stick with a spade on it, and you make a hole, you bend over, you put the tree in there and, and you close it up. And you can only do it during the coldest seasons of the year because that's when the trees germinate correctly. It's better when it's near freezing. And that's what I did day after day for several years before and after college and classes. And one of the guys who was teaching me how to do it, the first in the job, this guy had to be 106 years old, he was telling me what to do. And he said, young man, you got to, uh, you're going to be leading these other guys that don't know what they're doing either. But you've got to pick a point, a tree, a bush, a leaf, something. You've got to pick a point on the other side of this field. And no matter how many hills or the contour of the land, doesn't matter. You have to keep your, you plant towards that leaf or towards that bush. You keep your eyes fixed on that bush because if you, not, if you, don't, if you don't aim towards that bush, you're going to get to the other side. Instead of having a straight row, you're going, to, you're going to wander according to the terrain that you're going through. 
All of us are prone to wander, but we've got to keep our eyes fixated on Him. But can I tell you, wandering people matter to God too. People matter, matter to God when they're lost. They matter when they're wandering. They're, 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 they, they matter when they've done uh, things that are not smart. Some of us in this room, you know what it's like to feel unvalued by people. I've talked to people that, that, that they, they feel like they're no longer valuable because they've lost a position at work. They don't feel valuable because they lost a, a, maybe they lost a ministry they were in. They've lost their freedom because they're in prison for something that they did wrong. Or maybe they lost, they lost out with a, with a marriage and they're divorced. Or maybe they lost a loved one. They, they feel like, they wonder, am I still valuable despite what's happened to me? And I want to tell you, no matter what's happened to you today, you still matter to God. Why did Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because he loved them. They were the lost coins. They were the lost sheep. They were someone's lost son that Jesus came to redeem. Can I tell you, people in Cabot, Arkansas matter to God. People in the United States matter to God. People in Honduras matter to God. People in Africa matter to God. Democrats matter to God. Republicans matter to God. Independents matter to God. Even the people that don't show up on election day, they matter to God. People everywhere matter to God, and therefore they must matter to us. How many believe that? I think sometimes life tries to blind us to the fact that people everywhere matter to God. But here's my second point is where the rubber really meets the road because we can believe people matter to God without it changing us. We can believe people matter to God without it costing us anything. But do we believe people matter to God enough to search for them? Because Jesus didn't just so love the world that he loved it. But he gave himself. He went searching. He began his rescue mission. Luke 19, 10, I'll say it again. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He believed that that which was lost was worth searching for. The lady, the shepherd, and the father all kept looking until what was lost was found. They searched with persistence and they searched with priority. They kept looking. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. He said, let each of us, even if we've done nothing for Christ, begin to do something now. How many would confess that we search for things that matter? And we don't search for things that don't matter. My family and I were in a theme park back in November, and we were getting ready to buy popcorn or something, which I think I bought 127 buckets on that trip. But, but I reached in my pocket to grab some cash, and when I pulled out my cash, my change came with it. It went all over the ground. And there's people everywhere. We're in line to buy popcorn. And my two girls, they, they, they are like Johnny on the spot. They're ready to go. And I give them this instruction. 
Because the money went over. I said, just pick up the silver. <laughs> I knew if we tried to collect all the pennies, we were going to be there a long time. But the silver is where the most of the, the value was. See, we, we I, I communicated to them what mattered by what I told them to search for. Imagine for a moment with me the implication and the indictment against us as believers when we don't search for those who are far from God. We search for what matters. We don't search for what doesn't matter. And so when we're not engaged in seeking and saving the lost, we are declaring with our action, with our lifestyle, that lost people don't matter. And none of us would say that out loud. But I have been guilty of saying that at times with my life. Because we do search for things that do matter. Twenty-four years ago, there was no such thing that I knew of called a fidget spinner. But 24 years ago, my wife gave me my first fidget spinner. It was called a wedding ring. And I, if you want to go back and watch the videos of the last year, you'll probably notice while I'm preaching, sometimes I take it off and I take it on and I mess with it and it makes her nervous. For 24 years, she's been saying, you're going to lose that wedding ring. And it's not that it's extremely valuable financially speaking. Don't get me wrong. She saved up for six months to buy it for me, but she was working as a as a, what do you, a work study, in other words, six months wasn't a whole lot of money. <laughs> uh, uh, I meant for that to come out different. How much was spent does not denote the value to me. So I have been messing with this ring. It has dropped in that, you know that space between your glove box and your seat that, where things go in but they never come out? She's been telling me for 24 years, you're going to lose that thing. And y'all don't tell her this, but I have. I've lost it in there. One day somebody was preaching and I was playing with it and, and I dropped it and it rolled all the way to the altar area. And I had to get up and go to the altar to Retrieve it. But I did it with urgency because it mattered. We search for what is valuable. We don't search for what is invaluable. Lord, help my life declare that what is valuable to you is valuable to me. John Piper says it like this when it comes to witnessing to others. He said, don't wait for a feeling our love in order to share Christ with a stranger. You already love your Heavenly Father and you know that this stranger is created by Him but separated from Him. So take those first steps in evangelism because you love God. It's not primarily out of compassion for humanity that we share our faith or pray for the lost. It's first of all, love for God. 
Anytime there's unequal concern for things that are lost, there's going to be friction between the searcher and the unconcerned. When you care about something deeply and someone else doesn't create about, care about it at all, friction occurs. So when we know that God loves people, we must also love people to the, to the extent that we're willing to join the search for them. Because if we don't, there will be friction between us and the Father. In 2024, we're, I'm going to be asking you in a few minutes to help us join the rescue mission. To help us join the search for missing, missing people Missing people in Cabot, missing people in our schools, missing people in our state, missing people around the world because they all matter to God. And in a crowd this size, I know there's someone that's going to be cynical enough to say, well, you're just, you just, you're just talking about money, you're just talking about helping other people. No, no, no. It's all about reaching people for Jesus. Third, this morning, if we're going to join the rescue mission, we have to celebrate people being found. What is gained is worth celebrating. Each of these three parables, something was lost, something was searched for, and someone celebrated. A few, a few months ago, back when it was warm weather, a friend of mine had a brand new, I didn't wear mine today, he had a brand new Apple watch. And there's a new type of watch, it's not so new anymore, but last year there was a new type of watch that could actually survive underwater to a certain depth. And this friend of mine had his brand new Apple watch on, and he was up on Greer's Ferry, and he'd driven the boat out to a place where you can jump off cliffs into the water, and they'd been jumping, having a great time, diving into the water, and he got ready to leave, and he got back to, all the way back to the dock, I believe, and he realized, my watch is gone. Brand new Apple watch, gone. So he opened up his Find My iPhone app, and it showed clearly that his Apple Watch was in the water, but they don't float. So they're at the bottom. And so on Monday, two days later, he pays a scuba diver to go back to where the Apple app showed it was, dive down into the water, and within just a matter of minutes, the guy came up and found his watch. He was so impressed that the watch lasted that long, kept his battery that long, and that it was still working after being underwater for 48 hours. He was so impressed that he, he wrote the Apple company a letter talking about how he lost it, how he found it. He went to work on Monday. He told everyone he works with about how he lost his watch and how he found his watch. I played golf with him three days later, and he tells me the story. He told everyone the story about what was lost and how it was found. You know how you know when people really matter to you? You want to find out what really matters to you in general? 
what do you celebrate? Because what we celebrate is a great indication of what we value. You know, this past month, uh, we had 12 people three Wednesdays ago get baptized and declare their love for Jesus. Man, that's worth celebrating, right? That's why they did it, was they wanted to celebrate that Jesus is the leader of my life. I'm following Jesus. We have people come to Christ on a weekly basis in our adult service, our kids' service, our youth services. We celebrate that. But we can't be satisfied with where we are, what we have, or what we've done. We can't be satisfied with 9 out of 10 coins. We can't be satisfied with 99 out of 100 sheep or with one out of two sons knowing Jesus. The French Foreign Legion gave us this famous motto. I love it. If I falter, push me on. If I fall, pick me up. If I retreat, shoot me. Going backwards is not an option. Being unconcerned is not an option. Do you know what works against celebration? One word is called apathy. We can't afford to be satisfied with what was. We can't afford to write people off because of what they've done to us. We must embrace a rescue mission mentality about people that don't know Jesus. I hope I've convinced you that people matter to God. So now the question becomes, the question becomes, do they matter to me? Do they matter to us? And how much do they matter for you? How much do they matter to me? Do they matter enough for me to love people who look differently than I do? Do they matter enough for me to invest financially in reaching people who are far from God? Do they matter enough for me to walk across the room when necessary to tell someone about my faith or pray with them? Does it matter enough for me to give, serve, love them? Does it matter enough for me to help connect those who are away from God to God? I believe they matter to you that much. That's why I'm talking about kingdom builders today. Kingdom builders is not something today I want you to give to. It's something I want you to be. I want you to be a kingdom builder. Someone who is part of the rescue mission. Why? Because people matter to God. I want to introduce you to 10 of our kingdom builder rescue uh, commitments for 2024. Uh, the first thing we're going to ask you to give to this, this morning is our support monthly for our missionaries. Uh, as a church, we support over 40 missionaries every month that are locally and globally spreading the gospel to people who many of us will never meet. We don't know how to reach. But because they go and because we send them, people who are far from God are coming to know God. Now this year, today, I'm asking you to partner with us to the tune of $158,000 for 2024. What that number means is there's 
$158,000 worth of opportunities that people have knocked on our doors of church and said, can you help us? And when you hear a number that large, you may think, well, there's nothing I can do that makes a difference. And that's where you would be wrong. Because each of those 40 missionaries that we support every single month, some of them are supported at numbers like $50 a month. Because it's not just our church that supports them. It's our church and there's about 403 Assembly Guide churches in Arkansas. They're not all supporting every missionary, but there's a lot of us that are. And so when we do a part and someone else does a part, together we do something amazing, you can be a part of that. $20,000 of that $158,000 just goes to help our monthly commitments. Another, and by the way, that colored graph, our map on the wall, the reason they're different colors is because each of those are representation of different zones where we have missionaries around the world. Second, uh, our kids, you may have already heard our kids, we're, our kids are trying to raise $15,000 to build a church in Honduras. And if you're like me, you may not even know where that is. You know it's somewhere south of here. So, uh, for It's hard to believe that that $15,000 can build a church where there isn't one. But I was talking to our missionary in Honduras a few weeks ago, which he's going to come and visit us in June here, because in 2025 we're going to take a trip down there to either see this building completed or help it be completed. But he told me that currently there is a group of believers, which is what we call a church, right? There is a church that is meeting they have the church. They have, they're meeting under shade trees and in people's backyards because they don't have a plot of ground or a building to meet under. But we're going to build them a, a building this year for 15 grand. And, and Pastor Dave shared that in Children's Church the 1st of January. He just meant to, he, was just, he wasn't really talking about it in depth. He, was just, he just kind of skimmed over it. And Nora, my six-year-old, came home and said, Dad, I'm going to build a church in Honduras. She couldn't pronounce it right. But she said, Dad, I'm going to build a... I said, okay. Great. Wonderful. She does dishes and folds clothes poorly, but <laughs> every week so she can get a $5 allowance. And Nora... Remember that movie, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Are we more generous than a six-year-old? Because my six-year-old's already given $40 of her allowance money this year to Kingdom Builders. And I'm just convinced she's not going to outgive me. She told me, we're going together. And I'm afraid <laughs> next year I might be going to Honduras with a seven-year-old seven in tow. But we're building a church in Honduras. We're continuing our commitment to fire Bibles. Many of you are familiar with fire Bibles. Do you, many of you in this room are holding a fire Bible in your hand. The fire Bible to us is a Bible that has, has commentary already built into it. It's a study Bible that's written from a spirit-filled perspective, which is hard to find. For us, it's, it's great, it's nice, but for 
the ones we're buying are for pastors and, and lands that where they don't have the Word of God at all in their own heart language. They certainly don't have any commentary. There are stories of pastors who have been pastoring churches for decades without a copy of God's own Word, of God's Word in their hands. They don't get to go to Bible school. They just have a portion of this Scripture, a portion of that Scripture. We're walking in and we're giving them the Word of God with with commentary that teaches them how to lead their church and how to expound on Scripture. We've committed $10,000 to that. We're going to have one of our missionaries with us in a few weeks that in the last two years we've been equipping their local pastors and their nation. And I can't say their names on, on live feed today, but he wants to come and just share with us what a difference it's made. We're going to continue. Uh, we've, we've been in supporting Invade Transitional Ladies Home here in Cabot for $3,600. We're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to invest in local outreaches to the tune of about $11,500. We're going to continue to, uh, to invest in future generations here at our, our local church by uh, helping with our building program to the tune of about $50,000. We're going to continue to help with Project Rescue, which if you're unfamiliar with Project Rescue, that is our, our it's worldwide and it's local ministry to rescue women and children out of sex trafficking. We'll have a, a report on that in a few weeks as well about how ladies and children are literally being rescued off the street. Our students are partnering with Compact family services to help children who are marginalized, especially those who are in the foster care system, find a home that is stable, secure, Christ-based to the tune of $15,000. You add all those up together, that's $158,000. Pastor, why in the world would you challenge us to do that? It seems like the sailing is smooth. Why not just carry on? Why would you expect me or ask me to get involved because people matter to God. People matter to God. And we ask you to write down how much you believe you can give the Kingdom Builders this year because there are some, some of these projects where the missionaries waiting on me to return their phone call and say, yes, we can do this. And so when you commit to Kingdom Builders, you're not that we're going to come knock on your door if you can't fulfill your, what you feel like the Lord is speaking to your heart, but, but we do want to ask you today to let the Lord speak to your heart. I, I don't want to ask you to give something that, that thinks, well, I, I'd ask, not ask you to do something you think, well, I think I could do this easily. You know, I, I like David's response when he was getting ready to buy that threshing floor. He said, I'm not going to give that to the Lord, which costs me nothing. It needs to be something that matters to us because people matter to God. And as your pastor, I'm going first. I'll be the first to make a commitment to Kingdom Builders this morning as well. But I want to ask you to prayerfully consider joining us in a rescue mission this, this morning. It's a rescue mission to seek and to save that which is lost. That which is lost locally, that which is lost globally. Those who are lost, whose faces we see often, and those whose faces we will never see. 
until we enter the kingdom of heaven and we see that people matter to God. They matter to God enough to give, enough to sacrifice. They matter enough to celebrate. So I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I want to ask you to, you to ask the Lord how can I help? Lord, what would you have me to believe for? And I would challenge you not to ask what is the least I can do because Jesus did not come to earth to do the least he could do. He came to, to be the best the Father had to give. So I don't want us to give our leftovers. I want us to give something significant to the Lord. And what is significant uh, to you will, will vary. But I want to ask, us, ask you to ask the Lord, Father, what it is that you would have me to do. Let's pray that prayer together. Father, would you speak to us today? We're just listeners. As Kelly prayed and led us in that prayer earlier, I like what she said, Lord. Sometimes the boldest prayer we can pray is just to say yes. Yes to what you want us to do. Yes to how you would have us participate. Lord, we don't want anyone to give out of manipulation this morning. We want, to, we want to ask people to give out of conviction that this is what the Spirit of God is saying to them. So I pray that today you would speak to every person in the room how they could be part of your rescue mission financially. Lord, also you're, show us other ways later how we can be involved in serving and growing, connecting. But Lord, today it's about our finances. Lead us today. And we will listen in Jesus' name. Amen. Our ushers are coming today, and we want to give you a chance today to do two things. Number one, those, those commitment cards you filled out, in just a minute we're going to ask you to drop those in the, uh, in the drop box. And we'd also ask you to consider helping us get a head start this morning. Maybe you would like to give financially today something towards Kingdom Builders. This is your chance to do that. Of course, you can give to Kingdom Builders anytime you want to online. Um, but today we want to ask you to, to, uh, to give financially as well in this offering, everything that's received in this offering. This is one of the only times all year long I would ever take two offerings in one service, but this is for Kingdom Builders to help us get a great start. And by the way, I know there's someone that's thinking $158,000 sounds like a pretty um, adventurous task. But the thing is, many of you are in the habit of giving and when 2023 was over, you just kept on giving to Kingdom Builders. And so I'm also happy to report that not only uh, are we starting Kingdom Builders for 2024 today, we're starting, uh, so this year, $158,000. Every time, $1,580 comes in, we get to add a piece to our Kingdom Builders puzzle. And before we receive this offering, uh, I want to ask you to go ahead and celebrate with me. Just because of what you're already doing this morning, we get to add 10 pieces to the building already. You give the Lord a hand clap for that. So imagine, imagine what can happen if all of us get on board and part of God's rescue mission.
Amen. God bless you as you give this morning, as you turn in those cards. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.